Dear Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that you are here with us, that you can um, gather us together to receive counsel from you and to uh, examine our lives and learn how we can better relate to others. I ask that you would be with the presenter and that you would inspire his words and give us receptive minds to learn from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you very much. Let's share that with everybody. Unfortunately, I made 20 co 25 copies, so couples need to share it together, I believe. What I did today, what I decided to do today, because uh, so, many so many of you were so interested in how these personality codes would work out in terms of uh, blending with one another. You know what I'm saying? And um, some of you are blended with, you know, white and blue and blue and white. And some of you are blended between red and red. And some of them are blended between red and blue. Uh, some of them are white and white. And some of them are red and white. Some of them are blue and white and yellow, blue, and so on. So there's so many blending that we deal with. And so I would like to uh, take a moment today to share about how different personality, when they come together, what are some of the possible dynamics that may get created, okay? And so I basically, you know, I basically wrote everything word for word, verbatim, uh, in a way that I would present the topic. I did this so that what? You'll be able to learn and you'll be able to share it with other people in your church. How many of you came from your own church as a uh, family ministry? Some, somehow you're related to family ministry from your church. Oh, wow, that's great. That's great. I'm excited about that. I'm excited about that, okay? So I want you to get all that you can get and from this class and then make sure you have a chance to share it with other people, okay? Let's talk about the blending between, between the colors, okay? Let's start with red plus red. Whoa. <laughs> Some more copies? Okay, I have this one. I have okay. this one, but She's maybe some. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, thank you. Okay, so red, between red and red, what's so interesting is that one who is more red, when red and red come together, one who is more red be, remain as red, one who is less red becomes white. Is that interesting? Because what? Because in relationship, somebody has to follow. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not everyone can lead. You know, one person lead and then the other person follows. So, so one who's more red remain as red and less red, you know, become white. And that was the case with my nephew, which we didn't know. We thought that my nephew was totally white because he was not talking. He was not self-expressed. And then if you ask him question, hey, what do you want to do with your life? Like typical teenager would say, how would they respond? I don't know. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and so, you know, everyone thought that he, is, he was white. Not that white people do not know where they want to go. You know, it doesn't just appear to be that way. And so by the time, by the time he was going to college, mother who was really white, 
he, she was kind enough to, she thought she was doing a service to him by telling him what to do by what? By mapping out his life. <laughs> How many of you as mothers map out your children's life? Even, even whom they're going to marry and all that, no? Okay. <laughs> and so she did that, so she told him, you got to be a dentist. So she went, he went to, a, you know, PUC, and then he, his grade didn't measure up for what he was supposed to become. And so finally, mother gave up on him, because, you know, red mother cannot wait too long, okay? She said, you know what? This son is not worth to invest too much. <laughs> and so we better let him go. So she said, you know what? From now on, you're going to be on your own. And to that, he was responding that, Mom, are you telling the truth? And then she goes, yes, I'm ready to just drop you, you know? I might support you last time in my life, but you know what? You're on your own. And he goes, Mom, that's a great news to me. She's, he said, there's something I want to do in terms of profession. And so before he said it, he, he asked mom, mom, would you support me for one year? And then he goes, she goes, well, it depends. No, 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 mom. As long as it's not something that is like criminally related, <laughs> you know, you better support me. And then mom's, mom agreed that, okay, I will support you. So what is it that you want to do? Is there anything that you really want to do? Yes, mom, I've been thinking about doing this, but you're going to go crazy if I tell you what I want to become. Are you ready to hear that? Are you not going to have a heart attack? <laughs> and then mom was like getting really curious. So, okay, just tell me. And then he goes, I want to be a fashion designer. Wow. And then mom goes, you don't even know how to color match your clothes and <laughs> how are you gonna how are you gonna be the you know fashion designer and then, you see mom you told me i could get away with whatever i wanted to do that's what i want to do mom okay i'll support you for another year so he came out to california southern california he enrolled in certain classes to come up with a portfolio and guess what Within a year, he learned all that stuff, came up with a powerful portfolio, just impressive portfolio, and he applied to Parson, you know, Parson, uh, you know, school in, in uh, New York, and he got accepted, and now he became a fashion designer. He worked for Calvin Klein, and then he went to Italy and got further uh, experience, and he came back, and now he's a powerful designer. After all, listen, after all, this guy was not white. He was what? He was red. But his redness was what? Suppressed by mother. By mother. Okay? And so, so even though someone may appear to be white, he, may not, he or she may not be white because one is rather become dominant and the other person end up like following by suppressing things in your own life and so forth. I've seen two red coming together and live happily ever after. 
I said, wow, this is fascinating. So I went to this couple and then asked her, how do they make it happen? How do they make it harmonious? How do they make it wonderful? And then they go, well, my husband and I, are you guys red and red? <laughs> and then my husband and I, whenever we drive, whenever we drive, we think about the plans that we want to pursue after. And so we mapped out for the next like 10, 20 years. And then so far, for the past 10 years, we've been able to accomplish all the things that we, 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 you know, we decided to pursue after. It's a great marriage. We're going somewhere. And they both were driving BMWs and all that, you know, but that's not the point. So you can make it work between red and red, and it can be healthy. But I want to tell you, how many of you found your relationship to be mingled between red and blue? Either you're red or either you're blue or, you know, your, your spouse is red or blue. How many of you? Okay, okay. And then how many years you've been married? Eight. Eight years. Is your husband here? Okay. Not in this room. Not in this room. He's somewhere. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You wish he would be here? It would be nice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so then you must be blue. Yes. Right. Okay. Your husband is red. Mostly red. Mostly I can red. Yellow in him. But yellow in him. Okay. Mostly red. Okay. Okay. I hope he would be more yellow to you than red. Just kidding. But anyway, uh, so this is the interesting dynamic, red and blue. Red and blue dynamic is the dynamic that can get mo most conflicture in the first place. And then they said that they're the ones who make the therapist rich <laughs> because they have a lot of conflict. They have a lot of conflict to begin with. Not that you, not that you must have that because Red husband can come across being so what? Insensitive, right? To the blue wife who is very sensitive and be in touch, right? And so you can see the dynamic, you can see the problem. And then the problem that gets really aggravating is that when, when blue person when blue person doesn't get the love or connection or a meaningful relationship that, that she needs, then she or him gets very critical. And then when, when he or she gets critical to, her, to their spouse, what happens? You know, it, it makes a way of making someone, making that person to be minimized, lessened than who he is or who she is. Then there's an issue of disrespect and all that going on. You see the dynamic, right? Yeah. So what if the wife is red and her husband is blue? That gets challenging too. Because then, then he is kind of, she's kind of more, more masculine, and then he appears to be more feminine. You know what I mean? Because the blue man is very in touch and very emotional in a healthy way, and then he needs to be appraised, and he needs to be approved, and he needs uh, to be nurtured, and he needs the uh, connection, he needs understanding and validation, and then red wife is like, who are you? Are you a man or a woman? 
You know what I'm saying? But I want you to know that for a man to be in touch, for a man to be, you know, wanting understanding and validation or man to be sensitive, it is not a point of weakness. Society has made it that way. You know, CC boy or things like that, you know. Society has, has made it that way. Actually, blue man who is in touch can be very, very powerful. Because I told you yesterday, among all these characteristics, among men, men with colors, who, would be the mo who could be the most romantic person you could ever be? Blue man. I know you're blue man. You see? You see? You can be very romantic. And so, so the, so the um, red wife, not that you are, <laughs> red wife needs to understand the feminine side of him as a sign of strength, not as a sign of weakness. And because if he gets connected, then he's going to be what? All that God has made him to be. And he's going to shine. He's going to blossom, you know, because he's going to take that as a source of respect for him. And I want to tell you, men, I'm glad that there, there are enough men in this room. Let's give them big hands. You know, for, 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 for men to come to a family discipleship, they're really men. They're really, they're really godly men. They're really men. We need more men. We need more men. Not that we don't need ladies. We need really more men to join. Um, so I really honor you and cherish you. And you know what? My wife and I, we went through, a, you know, we went through some, some challenges in our relationship where, uh, where I am yellow and my wife is blue. And then it took me a long time for me to figure out what, what, where she's coming from. She's wanting connection and all that, but the way I wanted to connect was more playful and all that. You know, I didn't take her serious. And then whenever she doesn't get the, uh, you know, but, but then my wife has such a high expectation, like all the blue people does, right? Yeah, next to God, they have such a high expectation. <laughs> especially Seventh-day Adventist blue ladies, they have really higher expectations. You know, especially if you read Ellen White writing, you have really high expectations. <laughs> really high expectations. You know, so, so, you know, my wife had a high expectation, especially toward me. You know, little did I know that, you know, she said she married me. She didn't tell me until later. She married me because she thought I could be the evangelist. She said that she could be mostly attracted to me for my spirituality. Yeah. When I'm spiritual, that's what attracts her to me. So she can be pretty critical about, like, after I finish my sermon on the way home. <laughs> Especially when I feel like, oh, man, I messed up, you know. Oh, man, I should do better. And then my wife, hey, honey. Uh, you need to improve. <laughs> you know, when I first got married, and then I was in a place where I had to adjust to American culture, adjust to learning English, adjust to the teenage ministry, and all that was going on. And then I had to adjust to my marriage, and it was just a lot of things going on. And then when my wife was challenging me, you know, many times I felt like, man, I'm not good enough. I can never make it, you know. 
she's expecting me to be perfect. Because even if I do nine things right, if there's one thing I've done wrong, then she would point that out. Not because she's, a, she's, a, you know, she's, a, she's, she's an amazing lady, because she just wants me to just be stretched. <laughs> so I am very stretchable. <laughs> Did you know that God is in the business of stretching you? Just like nylon? He said, no way, I can wear that, you know. He said, no, 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 wear it. It will stretch. <laughs> I mean, God's been stretching me through my wife in a very powerful way. And then one day, I mean, I've been resisting. I've been resisting. I've been reluctant. You know, I'm, I'm like, my last name is Um. You know what Um means in Chinese? It means strict. <laughs> it means it means just just very stubborn, you know. What on earth I was given with that kind of name? But anyway, <laughs> so one day I had a revolution. I had a revolution in my heart that you know what? I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be like really accepting. I'm gonna be a bigger man. Whenever she says something, and I'm not gonna use my you know, emotional part of myself to respond. But I'm going to respond. I'm going to allow my object, objective mind to respond. So whatever she said makes sense. And if I think that there's some value to what she says, I'm going to take it, even if it hurts. <laughs> Truth hurts. Even if it hurts, I'm going to take it. I'm going to let it stretch me. When I start doing that, Man, started to do wonders to me in a way that she would look at me and said, Honey, you're, you're a real man of God. Well, you take things in. You allow yourself to grow. Not grow this way, but... <laughs> so I, wanna ch I have a challenge to men that if, you're, if, your wife, you're, if your wife ever tells you something, Instead of like justifying, making excuses, or instead of like putting her down, hey, let me tell you what I can tell you. <laughs> if a wife comes up to you and said, if your spouse comes up to you and said, you know what, it's been very, very hard to live with you. I haven't told you, but it's been, <laughs> it's been really tough. <laughs> and then I want to tell you, that's not the time. That's not the time for you to be like so honest with your spouse by saying, do you want to know the truth? <laughs> you know, I always tell a couple, if one is up, if one is down, the other spouse needs to be what? You can't go down the drain together. <laughs> You know, if, you're, if your spouse comes up to you and says, my life is over, and then you cannot say, hey, my life was over 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> then if you do that, then, then what, what's the conclusion? You might as well like, quit everything. <laughs> well, that's how people end their relationship. This is a very important point. When pers one, one person down, the other person has a duty <laughs> to be up if you want to save your relationship. Very, very important. 
So even though you really want to say it, <laughs> even if you have like a million things to say, that's not the time to say. You need to let that person just pour out everything as you what? Just suck up everything. I'm just like, this is medicine to me. I'm good. Lord, what is it that you want me to learn? Whoa, you're stretching me. It hurts. Very, very important. So, so you need to allow your spouse to be vulnerable. But that's not the time for you to be vulnerable. <laughs> you need to be the strong one. You need to be the healthy one. Does that make sense? really makes sense. That's time for you to grace the other person. Um, for a blue person, for a red person, let's go, a red person can do good as he or she adopts some of the strengths of, of the blue personality in terms of what? In terms of a red person really, really learn, learn is that you need to learn to relate. In other words, you need to learn to empathize without having to agree with the other person. I cannot emphasize that enough. Let's say, my professor was teaching me how to empathize. And he was showing a video clips. This is a secular video. And then the handsome looking father, I mean he's an actor, handsome, better be handsome, right? So handsome looking father takes the daughter out on a date. So daughter wears a dress. and. They went out to a very expensive, you know, restaurant, steak restaurant, you know. It's like at least $30, $40, right? And then they go and then they order the food and daughter got so excited. And while she was trying to, uh, you know, cut the steak, steak ended up fell on the ground. And so the daughter started to cry. And so my question is, what do you do to empathize with her? Man, when I ask this question to Korean folks, they have all kinds of questions that just blew, blow my mind away. So well, how would you answer? How would you empathize with this person, with this daughter? Stick fell down. It's okay. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Everybody makes mistakes. Okay. Okay, there's a better answer than that. Five-second rule. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, what? What did you say? Five-second rule. You think I'll meet it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah you, you, you sound like Korean people. They say, they, say, they say, pick it up and take it to the restaurant, wash it and bring it out. And then, and then exchange it with yours and then... I don't know, there's a health issue going on there. We're not right after Korean War or World War II, right? So we can do better than that. What else? What else? It gets interesting. How else you would empathize? Hmm? Mm. Okay. This father, this father, just say two words. Just say two words. Looking at her, just say two words. She said, he said, come here, come here. And that daughter came and what? Allow her to cry. That's 
what empathy is all about. Why, why do you cry? Why, hey, you don't think that your dad has money? You know? We're trying to solve the problem too early, too soon, too fast. We need to just dwell on that moment and to just be with that, be with your daughter and then process it together. There's beauty in that, right? Come here. So, men really, we as men, we really learn to, learn to empathize and to hold hands. And then blue people, when it comes to criticism, when woman, this is how women think, I heard. This is how I studied it. But if I'm wrong, correct me. Woman thinks that if your husband, who is the only one, only one who can give you the love that you need, right? Right? You can say, hey, honey, since I can't give you, let somebody else fulfill you. You don't do that, right? You can't do that. So as far as the wife is concerned, your husband is the only one who can give you the love that you need, right? And then for a woman doesn't receive that from her husband when he's the only person, to her, he ends up being the most selfish person in the whole world. Do you see how that works? Yeah. And so this gets crazy. The lady comes to me for counseling and says, do you know Pastor Ram? You know my husband, but you don't know who he really is. <laughs> to me, he is one of the most selfish person in the whole world. Guess what? The other weekend, my husband, without even discussing with me, bought a bicycle that is worth $5,000. He's so selfish. So when you start hearing that, I get affected by her, right? So it's like, I start thinking like, this guy, I'm going to go and punch him or something. <laughs> really bad. Then I meet this guy. Next minute, I meet this guy. He's the, one of the most wonderful person I ever met. What's going on here? And so when a woman doesn't receive the, what her heart is yearning after, that is closeness, that is connection, that is being understood and all that, then you become very, very critical to a point where you become toxic. Did you get that? So it is very important for blue woman especially, woman to be, to say something and not in a, not in a, you know, value judgment per se, but not in a way that you, you, you provide a value judgment, but you say it as a I statement, okay? I'm going to let you practice it. Pair up two by two and then make an I statement instead of like, instead of, you are such a, you are such an insensitive person. You're bad and you don't hear me. You don't love me. You don't care for me. But instead of what? When you do this, when you do that, it makes me feel like I am less of a person. That's how I feel like. That's what makes me to feel. Actually, that's what makes me feel that, that there's a better way to do it. You know, I feel like when you did this, did that, do that, that's how it makes me feel. Instead of like, you, you're this, you're that. You know what I'm saying? So, so ladies, we, we need to learn to make a statement as it is coming from me and, and not as a value statement about the other person. You know what attracted me to my wife whenever she told me 
Honey, you are the only one person who can fulfill me and you are the most important person in my life. And I'm finding myself underlining those things in my heart. <laughs> and I say, it made me feel like, wow, if I'm that important, I better be that important person in her life. But if I'm judged, if I'm labeled in a certain way, then, well, you might as well. It's like, I'm already failed. You know what I mean? Right. It doesn't motivate you, right? So two by two, I'll give you a couple minutes, two by two, okay? So think of your next person is your spouse. So think of them as your, as your spouse, okay? Yeah. Don't reveal everything, okay? But, but say something from your heart as you make it as an I statement. Don't use you statement. The minute you say you, the minute you use the word you, you're pointing at your finger on you, then what, 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 what is, what is it going to make the other person feel? Not only judged, but it's like attacked and, you know, and then you feel like, how about you? <laughs> So, so why are you listening? Why are your spouse is listening? He or she is what? Conjuring up what he or she is going to say, what he's going to say to you in return. All right? Yeah. So this is the key before we practice this. This is very important. I always teach this to a conflictual couple. Unfortunately, all the couples who come to me, none of the couple ever in my 20-some years of ministry, counseling ministry, none of the couple come up to me and said, you know what, Pastor and Dr. Um, you know, my wife is here, my husband is here, but you know what, I got more problem than my husband, my, my spouse. <laughs> you know, my husband is an amazing guy, but you know, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I, ne I really need to be fixed. I really don't deserve the kind of husband that I have. You know, he deserves a better person. But he's stuck with me. And he doesn't want to leave. And so I really want to get better. Can you help me? Then Jesus must have come yesterday. <laughs> Everybody come to me and said, even if I'm pointing my finger at this person and say, you, you need to hear this. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? <laughs> and then at the end of the sermon, people come out and say, oh, how I wish my husband would be here. He really needed to hear this message. <laughs> and then on the way home, making me feel like, Lord, I failed again. What am I doing? People are so busy applying the message to everybody else except what? Myself. There's a book called, I bought that book just for the title of it. Inside, there's not much to read. But the title is amazing. You know what the title look like? Lord, change me. I bought that book for the title. Lord, change me. One time I was praying. When I was in youth ministry, I was praying. Lord, I'm praying for this girl whom I cannot stand in the church. She thinks she is smart, but she's a brat, Lord. She doesn't have any respect. Please rapture her. <laughs> I got problem because I don't believe in rapture, but please do something. 
Remove her or remove me. I can't stand her. She just irritates me to death. I'm losing my hair. And Lo remind me, you got enough hairs. And then, you know, what's the answer from the Lord? Let me start with you. So, as we communicate onward, focus on ourselves. But I would like to add to the point that as you focus on ourselves, don't focus on ourselves in a way that we would be condescending, diminishing, or putting ourselves down. Not in that way. When the Holy Spirit nudges you, when the Holy Spirit uh, demolishes us in such a way that we, we understand, we, experience, we, we gain what we need to gain in terms of knowledge and wisdom that we need to gain about ourselves, it actually you know, liberates us. Right? And so this is an important point when it comes to relationship. How many of you desire, how many of you desire for intimacy? in your marriage. How many of you desire for intimacy? Mm -hmm. Marriage is for intimacy, right? Yeah, marriage is for intimacy. However, before we get to the place of intimacy, there's a, there are certain steps that we need to take before we get there. This is intimacy. Before we get there, we need to make it safe. <laughs> We need to make it safe. How do you make it safe in relationship? What do you mean? We're not, we're not like hitting each other. We're not killing each other. A lot of marriages, it's not safe. You know why it's not safe? It's not safe because you're afraid to say whatever you need to say. How are you going to be, how am I going to be viewed and how am I going to be accepted and all that. So if you have those anxieties and fears or uncertainty, then you're not safe. And then, and then only way we make it safe is by what? Making it, how do you make it safe? By making it equal. You need to make it equal. That's very, very important. That's why when it comes to abusive relationship, what do we do? Forget about intimacy to begin with. But we need to make it safe to, be, to make it safe and to make it equal. Because a lot of, a lot of uh, abusive relationships, one is up, abuser is up, abused is down. So one down person needs to come up, empower that person to come up, self-express, you know, be courageous to say whatever he or she needs to make it equal. To be in that equal place is very, very important. So, with that in mind, let's make that I statement. Even though you may have issues with the other person, you may want to have a value statement on somebody else. Man, this person is just like... But you got to be respectful enough to be equal, to be respectful, and to make that I statement. Try that. Let's try that I statement to each other. Okay? It, it'll be fun. Okay, I have a... Sorry. So you got an idea. You got an idea. I have one more practice. As we, are, as, as we are in this practice, I have one more practice that would be really, really life-changing when it comes to communication. It's a, um, it's a skill called 
one of the communication skills. And so that what we practice is I statement. It's really powerful. You know, I feel this way and so on. Because when you say I feel this way, no one can invalidate it. Right? How you feel, how you feel. You know, so uh, it's really authentic in that way. Um, and the second thing I want us to practice, which is going to be really powerful, it's called paraphrase. Have you ever heard paraphrase? Yeah. They put together, uh, you know, Gutman. Gutman is the guy uh, from Seattle University of uh, Laboratory of Love. And then they put together all the people who are about to divorce and, you know, all these people get together and they, they, they do this uh, research. And they found out the healthy couples are the ones who knows how to do paraphrase out of many things that we can talk about, okay? And it goes something like this. As you hear, as you hear from the other person, a lot of times we create traffic jam in that before the other person even finishes the word, you interjecting it. You know, you have more things to say. Hey, hey, wait, 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 don't go there. Or, you know, you know, you know, don't you remember what I said? You know, and so you just kind of interrupt the other person so much that all you have at the end of it is like argument, right? Argument after argument, which doesn't get anywhere. So there are principles, even when it comes to boxing, there's rules that you got to follow, right? Even if you follow the rules, somebody gets killed, right, sometimes. So when it comes to marriage, I mean, you cannot avoid fighting, right? If you, if you told me that, oh, in our marriage, we never fought. You never fought in our marriage. Either you're saying, even the saints get in trouble sometimes. Uh, and so, <laughs> you know, if you, so the study shows that, you know, if you have a lot of conflict in the beginning, and be able to resolve conflict, then you become very intimate in the end. So it's not having the conflict is an issue, but not knowing how to resolve it constructively, that's a problem. Because it used to be the model that they use when it comes to healthy relationship, that who would be the best person for you to marry? They said, you know what, marry somebody who would be most compatible to you. That's Dr. Olson's model in 1980. And later on, we came up with a new model that says, you know what, marry somebody. And then when you marry somebody, you better learn how to resolve conflict. Because without resolving, knowing how to resolve conflict, you're not going to get anywhere. You deal with the same issue on and on and on for the rest of your life. So there are three things you need to have when it comes to communication between couples. I put it this way. I put it this way. Number one. You don't want to allow negative emotion to escalate. You don't want negative emotion to escalate. Very, very important. If your emotion gets escalated, you, before you say anything, the, the other person already mad and you know, explosive and you know, ready to like, you know, go off to the roof if there's no limit. And then, and then you know that that's not the time to what? say anything. That's not the time to talk, and that's not the time to say anything, especially for a man. What happens is that when you have comfort, I don't know about you guys, when it comes to conflict, you know, when man gets into conflict, their brain freezes. <laughs> and all of a sudden, they don't know what to say. They become like dumb, you know? But when it comes to conflict, women get smarter and smarter. They speak faster. And then they, they bring up the things that you have forgotten like 20 years ago. And then they even remind Jesus of the things that he forgotten about. Eh? You know what I mean? Man, they bring on the whole universe to join in. 
And so there's no way to win, you know. And so, guys, I want to tell you if, you, if you don't know what to say, don't say at all <laughs> to save your marriage. <laughs> so don't allow your emotion to escalate. If you, if you come to this place where your emotion gets so escalating like that, then you need counseling. If you end up like talking bad about your husband all the time, like if you, if you end up like talking to stranger or church member, whoever you meet, you know, your lead is open like the uh, lead of the, you know, the crock pot that is ready to blow up and then your lead is open and then whenever your lead is open, you talk about your husband. Woo! And then you need counseling really bad. Come to me. <laughs> not, not just come to me. <laughs> you know, you need counseling. So don't allow your emotion gets escalated that way. If you do that, then that's not time to talk, okay? And then secondly, do not, uh, do not put down. Don't put down. When you start putting each other down, then it gets worse and worse and worse and worse. It gets very, very, uh, you know, ugly and uh, messy. And then thirdly, what you don't want to do is do not argue. Do not argue. Same thing with children. Do not argue with children. You know, when you argue with children, then you end up being the bad person a lot of times. Let me give you an example. Don't argue. Honey, take out the trash. And then, Mom, I did it yesterday. Take out the trash. Mom, how come, you know, okay, I'm going to do it later. No, take out the trash. How come you ask my brother? No matter what she said, no matter what your daughter says, what, what do you, how do you respond? Take out, take out the trash. Just like a broken record. Take out the trash, take out the trash. <laughs> because argument will not get anywhere. If you start arguing with her, like, I told you so, you're so disobedient and all that. It's unnecessary. Don't argue. Don't argue with your children. Don't argue with each other. Argue. Huh? <laughs> What do I have to do is to stay true to what is what you're supposed to. They already know. They already, huh? They will take out the trash. Because you said, you take out the trash, take out the trash, take out the trash, and take out the trash. And then, and then your child's like, I can never win over my mom. Because, because, because. Because if you, can, if you can make your mom mad or sad or, you know, ov you know overwhelmed by anything, they respond in, in such an emotional way, then you're not going to respect that person, you know, or you think that, you know, I can control that person, and then you become manipulative, right? Mm -hmm. But if you cannot manipulate your mom or dad because you're like a broken record, take out the trash, take out the trash, take out the trash for the rest of your life. <laughs> then she's going to have to take out the trash. So don't argue. Don't argue. Of course, you don't do that to your husband. Take out the trash. Take out the <laughs> He's going to be gone driving down the road. <laughs> so don't argue. Don't put down. Don't allow your emotion to escalate. And one, one um, you know, important practice that I want us to practice today is called paraphrase. It, it, that's why this is something. So if your spouse talking to you, if one person has the, let's say, let me borrow your Bible. This is the floor. 
So if you have a lot of traffic jam going on as you talk and no one talk, everyone tried to talk and then you know it's not getting anywhere, then this is a floor. Use the floor method. So when you have the floor, what happens? It's your turn to talk. Okay? And then he, she, he needs to be what? He needs to be quiet. No matter what, he needs to be what? Stay put. Even if you try to sit, you look, I have the floor. Okay? And then, and then when you're over, then what? Then you have the floor, but this is important practice. When you have the floor, it is not your turn to talk, but it's your turn to making sure that you understand her correctly. Because a lot of times when we communicate, we say one thing, we hear it totally different way, right? Yeah. And so we want to make sure that what we are hearing, what, what the, other person, you know, the other person is hearing in a way that he or she uh, is correct. So, so this is what you do, paraphrase. How do you paraphrase? If you tell me something, uh, something like, I'm lonely, you know, when, when, you, when I come home, you know, when I come home, honey, when you come home, you know, you don't even talk to me, go to your room, and then you try to do your own thing. When I've been waiting for you all day long, that makes me feel lonely, that makes me feel less important, what, what not. And then you almost regurgitate the same thing in a way that you would understand it. Honey, are you saying that when I come home without even greeting you, I would rush into my room and doing my own thing, and that would make you feel totally isolated and lonely and or unimportant. Is that what you're saying? And then how would she respond? Yeah. Didn't you hear? Yeah. Now, now you're hearing. Now you're getting. Okay? So do that to each other. So you say something. Okay, compare, uh, di 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 divide into people two by two. One person A, the other person B. And a, per a person says something, and then person B respond to it as you paraphrase it. Do that to your kids. One time my daughter came home, she was like elementary school kid, she came home, she was like, she couldn't even say a word. She came home, she was like, <sighs> she was so mad. So I said, are you telling me that your body language is telling me that you're really upset about something. And then she was like, yeah, I'm really upset. <laughs> and so you're really upset about something. Uh, is that true? And said, yeah. That's almost like paraphrase as well, you know? So the other person doesn't even have to say anything, but you look at that person's body posture and so on, and you respond to that person in such a way that you're paying attention to that person. Okay? So let's practice that, and then I'm going to wrap it up together. Okay. There's, there's no way for us to, you know, just share everything that, that we need to know about color codes and communication skill. Communication skill alone is another class, okay, actually. And there's a lot we need to learn uh, because as we hear someone else, we are already we are already always listening to our own story you know we're not listening to the other person we are, we are listening to ourselves and that's what makes communication really really complicated one of the most difficult thing that that we can ever do is to communicate with one another um, 
That really takes the Holy Spirit. That really takes God needs to soften our heart. It really takes for us to gain wisdom as to how we can discern things. Because people say things, you know, people say one thing, but they mean something else, you know. And then people say one thing and people hear something else. <laughs> and, and so, um, you know, a lot of times I preach a sermon and then somebody called me up and said, Pastor, I got so blessed by your message. And then I asked him, okay, what was the sermon about? And then they were giving me totally another sermon and that I didn't <laughs> preach, you know. So <laughs> in that case, it's a blessing. But, you know, yeah, it's it, it just communication. It's such a daunting task, yeah. Mm -hmm. they, they never let it be your turn to uh -huh. give feedback. Uh-huh, okay. What do you do? What do you do? do you yeah, it gets, it gets frustrating, right? Yeah. Very frustrating, right? Yeah. It even happens in Sabbath school classes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, some people, some people have this, uh, you know, habit of being dominant, you know, and a lot of times it happens in Sabbath school. Yeah, one monologue kind of thing. And that's really detrimental. Uh, that's why, that's why I, I, I must tell you that in some cases, in many cases, when the patterns of relating, I call it, patterns of relating has been going on more than 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, you know, uh, then you become fixated. In that, you need an intervention from outside to resolve the issue. But what do you do when the person is not willing you know what I mean? It's not cooperating. And so that makes it really difficult and challenging, you know? And so uh, you need to allow the other person to be open. And sometimes I go to them. Sometimes, you know, um, I just go to them and then challenge them. And, and because, because in so doing, by not letting the other person to enter into a conversation, you're not... <laughs> You're not creating intimacy at all. You know, you're just creating isolation in your life. And I ask, often ask them, is that what you want in your life? Is that what you want? You know? And then, and then most people say, no, I don't want that. You know, I want something better. Then, okay, then we can talk. You know? Sometimes you need to be challenged, but then sometimes the challenge has to come not from you, from outside sometimes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But anyway, uh, let me go on with this one. This is really important, red and white connection. Red and white connection is important is because especially mama is red and then your son is white, then man, God needs to help that relationship. <laughs> you know why? Because there's an issue with speed, issue with speed. Red can be pretty efficient and they can get things done pretty fast while the sun, who happens to be white, can take some time, you know, take some time to process, take some time to know what to wear, especially if you're a girl, uh, take some time to even figure out whether you're gonna go or not. You know, so then mom gets like so frustrated. You know, make up your mind. You're not ready yet. You know, all of those things. And then it is very easily, uh, you can end up being in a situation where a child is labeled as being like lazy, you know, or non-efficient or things like that. But I want you to know that some people, because of their personality, take takes more time than others. I've experienced it in my children, you know. 
one girl takes more time than the other girl, you know? And what's, a, what's so interesting is that, you know, when you go to church on Sabbath, right? For a man, it takes only less than five minutes to wear your clothes, right? You know what to wear and you get dressed. And then, you know, funny thing is that, you know, you wait like 30 minutes because, uh, you know, like you're, you're wanting to be patient to your wife and you wait for 30 minutes and then she comes out and then what does she say? Honey, I have no clothes to wear. And then it just drives you crazy, right? Makes you feel like, oh, should I count all the dresses you have? No, that's what she, that's what she meant. She meant like what? No new clothes to wear. <laughs> but when man comes out and say, you know, I don't have any clothes to wear, then, then we're in trouble because <laughs> that means we don't have any washed clothes to wear. <laughs> so our languages are totally different, and then our speed of doing things is different, and therefore we got to be extremely patient. And so if a child, if you need 30 minutes, and if your child needs one hour, then you need to get them ready an hour earlier, and so on. And that's the case with red and white. And sometimes in, in an effort to pushing somebody forward, you know, for the red to do it to the white, then you can kind of lose, close down the hearts, you know, along the road. So, so much for that. And the next one is interesting, blue and white. How many of you are in that blue and white situation? Okay, blue has a need to be open and to be expressed and to uh, be able to share a lot with one another, while white person is not that cooperating, right? White person doesn't open up easily. It doesn't mean that he or she doesn't have anything to say. And it's a blues needs for openness and intimacy can make him or her extremely frustrated by the lack of expression and openness, okay? And then blue become very critical to the white and make them feel unaccepted and having lack of freedom and so forth. So I have a challenge to white people, like I said yesterday, you know, learn to allow yourself to kind of push a little bit to be uncomfortable. It's okay to be uncomfortable a little bit. You know what I mean? We can't always be comfortable, right? So we need to kind of push ourselves a little bit to be uncomfortable, you know? For my father to respond to me, to, you, know, I, when I, you know, when I hug my father first time in my life, in, you know, in, you know I, I, brought, I brought my father to Bent Mountain, and then on the top of the mountain, there was nobody else but my father and me. Because I've been wanting to hug my dad so long. I grew up not being able to have that kind of physical connection except when he spanked me and, you know, other things. <laughs> so I really wanted to hug my dad. Because when I came to the United States, when I went to Pine Memorial Church, like all the fathers were hugging their sons, like, wow, this is heaven. And so something tells me to experience it. I didn't want to hug my dad when he turned dead. I didn't want to do that. And so I went up to the mountain praying to God that I would hug my dad to make the long story short. I went on the top of the mountain, and then I saw my dad. I saw people around. There's nobody but my father and me. So guess what I did? I said, Dad, I have a favor to ask of you. And then my dad goes, what is it? My dad speaks like Ten Commandments, very short and hit to the point. <laughs> I call him Ten Commandment Father. And then, he, he, and then, and then I said, Dad, it, it may be kind of weird, but I want to hug you. And so he said, what is hugging? And <laughs> so I had to explain. And then he goes, he looked at me and said, son, you've gone to full theological seminary. 
and you became kind of weird. <laughs> he said, that's what happened when you go to non-SDA school. <laughs> he was, he's funny. And then, and then he goes, he looked at me kind of, you know, just pitying me, looking at me and said, okay, let's hug because since it doesn't cost anything, let's hug. <laughs> And then I hugged my dad. When I was hugging my dad, I didn't think that he was that big. My father was bigger, much bigger than me. And, uh, and so when I hugged him, I, I could only reach this much. And he was trying to let me go because he was getting really uncomfortable. I said, Dad, you need to be uncomfortable forever. <laughs> and, I was, and I was whispering to my father in his ears, Dad. Why did you spank me so much? <laughs> it's time of revenge, right? You see, it's very uncomfortable for me to do that. And he was very uncomfortable. But sometimes you need to take a risk. You know what I mean? And how is he going to respond? No, I don't care. I, I'm, I'm going to say whatever I needed to say to my dad. So when I asked him, well, how come you spank me so much? He said, son, let's not talk about it. I spanked you because you were my first child. I spanked you. I experimented with you. And I, I spanked you because I read Ellen White's writing too much. <laughs> and I underlined all the parts, spared the child, spoiled the child. And I am sorry. I said, Dad, you don't have to say sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm just calling you because I'm telling you that I became who I am because of all that spanking, all that discipline, all that love. You made me who I am. I appreciate you. I honor you today as my father. Amen. For me to say that, you just take the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy Spirit took over like, Phew. and then now my father is in trouble. <laughs> he had a, he's in a valley of decision. He didn't know how to respond. <laughs> and then all of a sudden he was like, me too. <laughs> All of a sudden, he spoke in English. So I, didn't know what, I didn't know if my father could speak English that, that well. Me too. And I got it. I got it. And I let him go. And Dad, long live, Dad. You're the only one I have. I love you. You know? It's vulnerable. It takes risk. It's just sometimes... We got to go outside of our box. Oh, I can't do that. Don't say that. Oh, I'm old. I can't change. No. Old is older than you. <laughs> Amen? Amen? Take a risk. Yellow and blue. We already talked about it. Yellow and blue has issues in their relationship because while yellow is going 100 miles an hour, Blue has a need to be organized, to process things, to know ahead of time. Yellow loves surprise parties. He or she willing to be found out in, in his or her pajamas, fine. But blue, they hate surprise parties. You know, they need to be known ahead of time and, and all that stuff going on. And then yellow takes life too casually while blue takes it too seriously. So it's like blue doesn't believe in yellow, and yellow thinks that blue is just too much all the time, you know? And so you can't communicate. So what do we do? Well, this is what I learned 
from my relationship with my wife because my wife is blue, I'm yellow. You know what I learned? What I learned is this. Here's a pre Christian principle in that you need to make it you need to make it harder for you to make it easier for your spouse. If you are willing to make it harder for you to make it easier for your spouse, in the end, you're going to make it easier for yourself as well. You know what I'm saying? Make it, make it, make, you know, get the challenge you need and then take up the cross and allow yourself. One time, my, my daughter came home and then I was, I came back from a long trip long, long trip from Korea or something. And then I came home, I was ready to just sleep. And then my daughter came in and said, Dad, I need to talk to you. And my, my eyelid was literally coming down so heavy. <laughs> I was ready to pass out. And then my daughter said, I need to talk to you. And I said, can we talk tomorrow? And then my daughter, we may not have tomorrow, Dad. <laughs> I said, what? <laughs> what? So I said, Lord, help me. And the scripture that came to my mind is that you have not loved till the point that you shed your blood. So I, I'm not going to shed blood by skipping sleep. So I, I, I went out like this, Lord, help me. <laughs> and that night, my daughter and I <coughs> sat down looking at the moon. Moon was shining. We were talking talking until 12 o'clock in the morning, and then we had a life-transforming conversation. It takes risk. It takes go going outside of a box for the other person. If you do that, Holy Spirit enables you to do the amazing, extraordinary, because we are made by God to be people of agape. Amen? Amen? And that's what it means to be charactered. Amen? Amen? Yeah. So may God continue to bless you as you continue to live out your life, uh, you know, with your spouse, with your family. And, and finally, this is interesting. I'm going to end with it. White and white, what happens? <laughs> white and white is interesting. White and white is interesting because white and white, they don't have to go anywhere. They can stay home and be happy, be okay. They're very low maintenance in that way. But then... They're not, none of them are adventurous, so it can get kind of boring sometimes. So I've seen a couple, white and white, and yet they're making it really good. So I asked them, how? They said, you know what? I, we, they're very creative. They're very, you know, you know, they're very smart. So they came up with, you know what? Each month, we, just, we take turns to take care of the social department. So in other words, this month, I'm in charge of social teammates. Whatever I want to do, you know, whatever I want to do, I get to do it with my spouse. And next month, she's in charge. So we're having a lot of fun. <laughs> you see? So you make it work. And then I want to tell you something in closing. What do you think is the one thing that is missing in relationship? What is one thing that's missing the most in relationship? In most relationship, what is one thing that is missing? Communication, and I'm going to end with this word. It's hard work. It takes hard work. It's, it's not impossible, but it takes hard work. It takes hard work to create intimacy. It takes work, but it's worth it. But not many people are willing to...
put in the hard work because if, if people, Hollywood version is saying that if you take so much work, you may not be right for each other. That is the wrong version. Right version is that it takes hard work. Kevin Lemon said it takes hard work, willing to put in what we need to put in together with God, together with the mighty power of the Holy Spirit. We make it work. Every day you grow and God bless. And you and I will continue to have a transforming relationship in the power of Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, help us to be in touch with your power, your power that transforms our lives to begin with so that we can become an agent of change, agent of inspiration in the lives of other people. May that transformation begins with me, begins with our family, may it spill over in all other areas of our lives in such a way that God would continue to use us as an agent of healing in this world of brokenness. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.